to My Music Podcast, a podcast where we sit down with Michigan musicians and those alike. I am one of your hosts, KJ. I'm your other host, Scott. And Scott, man, today with us, we got we got a talented person, lots of projects, uh, formerly of the Accidentals, Tree Skin, Moss Manor. I've seen this dude play drums. He is a beast. And I've seen him in a studio too, working his magic, uh, turning the equalizer. So it's magic he's for all, you yeah, too, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's all over the place. And uh, I'm talking about the one and only Michael Doss in the building. Reaching out to the voice to hear your voice. I said I'd be there in a minute to see you. Yes. Yeah. Hello. It's good to have you. Thanks yeah, for doing this. Thank you for uh, reaching it. out. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is the kickoff to, to season three here, yeah. I think, is what we're doing right now, right? It's good to be yeah. back. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a it's minute. Dust it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life, crazy. As it, it just is. goes so fast. <laughs> right. Yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're into, what you've been doing, your a little bit of your musical journey and background. Yeah. Man, so well, I'll say I'll say for right now, I know that uh I just put out a record. Uh, with the band Moss Manor, uh, which is the project of myself, uh, Dan Rickabus of the Crane Wives, and Seth Bernard from Earthwork and Earthwork Harvest Gathering and everything. Um, and that has been a really fun record to have out in the world. Dude, that's um, a beautiful album. Thanks. Bro, yeah. I think I told you this. I'm, I'm going to stroke your eagle some more. I already told you this, but it reminds <laughs> me of like Bon Iver. It's very but lush. Like, yeah, but, but yeah, more lush and like, you know, I might give away something later that we're talking about, but just like even the quality of it, uh, it, it like something about it. Well, you sent it, it to me the other day and I definitely a good headphones album yeah it's exactly got a lot of good ear candy yeah. and it just sounds great but obviously yeah. that's why we have you uh, many of the reasons why we have you here but that's that's definitely one of them is to talk yeah. more about the sounds well and it's funny you mentioned bon Iver because i have a feeling that bon Iver is going to come up a lot in this conversation <laughs> oh, cool. cool i like that yeah. is like one of my favorite uh musical projects sweet um so yeah it, but, isn't that interesting how your uh influences just kind of uh like are in your music like i didn't know that about you you know but then oh, yeah. i say it and you're like oh yeah bon Iver is one of my favorites you know well and it's like you know i think that you can't really escape that to right. a certain degree yeah. like you know I was just listening to a conversation uh, between Rick Rubin and John Frusciante. Oh, yeah. uh, they were, we, they we were deep dove into those. That's good. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were just talking about how like Frusciante has all of these different uh, influences that he's listening to with with different uh, albums that the Chili Peppers made, and like yeah. you know how you know his song that he took this thing from like nobody would ever guess that like, it was it's that apex but, twin yeah, yeah, yeah and like yeah. for like danny california and you're yeah. like what yeah. how is that he's yeah. like destiny's child or yeah, some obscure pop was group where i was like what yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but i could say i could see that though yeah. but uh so yeah uh, moss manor came out in february and um yeah we're gonna be playing a couple of festivals this summer we're doing bliss fest uh in july up in uh, Harbor Springs, and then we're going to be at the Earthwork Harvest Gathering. Uh, I think I'm going to festival. Is that well. September? Yeah, yeah, September. I'm mm-hmm. trying to go to that one. Yeah, it's, it's safe for the little ones. So oh, cool. yeah, oh, yeah, we great. might just make a weekend out That'd of it. That'd be fun. So, yeah, yeah. Let yeah, me know man. when that happens. That shout, out, shout out to my bro-in-law, Jidas Bags. He playing up there. So oh like, yeah, go. and he's got yeah. a record. On yeah, the way, right. Yeah, yeah. We'll say that for we just got to get him on. Man, <laughs> he's got to talk about his own stuff. Yeah. Anyway, can you tell me a quick little bit about? 
Moss Manor, like kind of who plays what? Because I'm just not as familiar with the... the sure. Um, who, did you produce it yourself? Yeah, I, I kind of was at the helm of it. And so it's weird because the three of us are the only three people that are playing stuff on the record okay. itself. And we kind of all played everything at That's some point. That's what I was wondering. Right. Yeah, the only thing was like Seth didn't play any of the drums. That was just me and Dan switching off. And I think the only thing Dan didn't play was bass. <laughs> so like he did some guitar, he did some keys, he did some drums and some vocals. And like, you know, I did some keys and some bass and drums and guitars. Like we yeah. all just kind of threw it at like Seth. Seth has some saxophone on the record too. That's like, cool. You know, so it was just a whole like, you know, I, I know Dan was saying at one point that he hadn't really recorded on a record before where he wasn't like a, or not recorded on a record because he has a solo record, which is awesome. Void Journal. Shout out. Like he hasn't been in a project where he wasn't really sure like what his specified role was. Right. Like you are the drummer. Like that <laughs> yeah. is your yeah. role. Yeah. You and play bass. There was some great freedom in that. I mean, like we all felt like we could just throw anything in there, which cool. I think, you know, made it as fun as it was to make. So, yeah. but yeah, but live, I'm pretty much just holding down like guitar and drums. Dan's doing like drums and keys. Seth is pretty much dedicated guitar and then at the Jammies, which was our first show, we had Ab just deck, an Avdeck right? on bass, oh, okay. which is like a dream. Yeah. Um, and then for Blissfest, we're going to have him back, and we're also going to have Dutcher Snedeker on keys doing like some soundscapes yeah, and yeah. stuff. So um, that's going to be An alumnus of the pod. I was going to say, yeah, Dutcher. Shout out oh, Dutcher. Oh, dude. How long was man that in conversation? The world? Like <laughs> 10 hours? <laughs> like you got, I had him over deep. one yeah, time, deep. and we just sat on the couch yeah. and talked about like Bill Wirtz and yeah. you know, like yeah. random internet stuff for like seven hours. Right. We <laughs> should have kept plug. going. Go back and listen to that episode. We yeah. Definitely yeah. Got also, deep. shout out Earth Radio's Mosaic yeah, Dreams. Yeah, they just dropped just the EP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that EP is uh, sweet. I just listened to that yesterday. Yesterday. Mm -hmm. Can you so tell me a little bit about like your music, like the things that you got turned on to? Oh yeah. Well, um, growing up, like my dad was a big music lover. Like he got me into vinyl at a very young age. Um, always played me like a lot of '80s stuff. And my mom um, is like a classically trained singer, um, and so she you know, it was kind of like the two worlds of right. like 80s synth pop and like <laughs> classical, like, you know, a lot of, you know, she sang in the church choir, um, a lot of times, but she had some really awesome opportunities. Like she got to sing with, um, Dave Brubeck one time, oh, wow. got to sing at Carnegie hall as part of like a big choir, which was like, you know, pinnacle, you're yeah. going to go play yeah, at Carnegie hall. Cool. So, you know, she, you know, both of them really like kind of harbored my music like my love for music from a young age. I think I started playing drums when I was like four. Uh, and my grandpa was a jazz musician back in like the sixties. So he got me a drum set I was when say, I was who four. I got some young kids that are like, right. is this the time to just like pull off the bandaid, get a drum kit for them? You know, right. it's not, it's never a bad idea. We need more drummers. We do. We do. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm less, definitely trying to make guitars. my daughter a drummer for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm like, so you could play on my stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a different conversation. Yeah. I could keep going down that route. But that's cool. Uh, that you, like you started that young and um, 
you know, kind of stuck with you. You know, when you talk yeah. about 80s, I was listening to some uh, Tree Skin and I was listening to Change and uh, kind of that like backing guitar on the hook, you know, mm-hmm. Scott, you got to drop that in here. But yeah, doesn't that have like kind of little 80s yeah, uh, type of guitar? Like, it's kinda like d- somewhere it lands somewhere like between like Joy Division and yeah, New Order it, or something. Exactly, oh, yeah, cool. I totally heard that. But it's funny because it's like, you know, uh, I caught that influence in there. So when you said that, I was like, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, you know? it's like yeah. it's like that. And then when I was in that era of my life, like the other big thing was Death Cab for Cutie. Oh, yeah. So like there's always some, some of, of that. Vibes, in fact, sometimes yeah. when I sing, I, I sound almost a little too much like Ben Gibbard. <laughs> and like people <laughs> always call me out. They're like, man, this sounds like Death Cab. Interesting. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't have picked up on that too much. I would say, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm I love the '80s, like, and I love how much '80s has come back into vogue too. Yeah. Like, one of my favorite bands right now is the 1975, and like they have so much stuff that is like '80s adjacent, but like with a new spin on it. sounds modern while still having like one foot in the 80s realm yeah especially with like their newer stuff with all the like saxophones sound like you know bruce springsteen stuff yeah or... you catch them on uh, snl yeah recently? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're right though like that sort of i think it kind of started with some of that like vapor wavy kind of thing mm-hmm. where you had a lot of like more synthy kind of washier things and then like the the process drums and then like like you said horns kind of made it way back and then like super crisp poppy production from the 80s like yeah. it's been it's been sort of blossoming i feel like for the past maybe 20 years with the 80s and now oh, it's yeah. like the 90s are back yeah, other yeah. i mean <laughs> the 90s been back for probably five years or so you the know, thing that. i like though about like the new like you know quote unquote new 80s sound is yeah. that like people are introducing a lot more low end into mixes than yeah. they did yeah. in the 80s like you know, especially as the 80s were like the dawning of the digital recording era, I guess. And like a lot of those first digital records that came <laughs> out are like super high endy and yeah. like the low end like barely exists. And, you know, like nowadays you hear somebody cover like, you know, aha, take on me or something. And like the bass is just pumping and like you That's go back so and funny. listen to the original. <laughs> you're like, you think about it, like you only can get so much low end out of a vinyl record. Yeah. Yeah. Like why there's masters specifically for, for vinyl records. Right. And Mm -hmm. like has to be on like 1080 because it's got to have low, like deep enough grooves, Mm -hmm. but like you still, I don't know. You, I don't know if you could pump out an 808 on vinyl. Like, you know what I will, you can, there's a record I have that is one of the best sounding records. It's, um, the group clipping in a white dress looking like she should get it. Licking the lips of the red. It should invest in the head clinic. He got a pocket full of incisors and pliers in a briefcase in case she get inspired. Um, which clipping, is man, clipping. They go crazy. Yeah, on the I beats. got their self titled yeah. on vinyl and it's the most bass I've ever it, heard dude, on a vinyl nuts. record. Clipping is just nuts. Dude, <laughs> That's for, cool. Like, yeah, yeah dude, I, I love that project so much, especially the couple of records they put out that are kind of like the horror themed yeah. records. Like it's a classic. Like I can't really get in anything outside of the debut album. 
album, I will say. But uh, man, I love that album. There's a couple tracks. Yeah. Maybe I'll, afterwards, I can point you to like a right. couple tracks yeah, yeah. on the newer records that like you know scratch that itch. Yeah, Scott, I think you would like them. <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't I feel like them. I feel like you kind of at first like snarl up, but if you listen to I'll them check more, it out. Yeah. it's like I'll two put- producers who do the beats who are kind of like sound design and like movie score okay. people and then it's david diggs is the mc who was okay. like From thomas hamilton. jefferson and yeah, hamilton yeah, yeah. so like <laughs> my buddy can't listen to it because he's like all i hear is lafayette <laughs> yeah, like, i'm wondering if like <laughs> he's, probably, I, he's probably my favorite from that cast though oh yeah. i mean he's incredibly yeah. talented yeah. like some of his flows on that self-titled i mean he goes so quickly with substance it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you sent me down a little bit, and this leads us towards our topic. Yeah. We don't have to get quite mm-hmm. there yet, but yeah. I'm I'm curious. How did I have my limited knowledge? How did like the EQ band expand over the last thirty years? You know, because I feel like you listen to things in the '70s and early '80s where the EQ seems to be much more in the middle. Yeah. Right. You know, or maybe just lacking low end. Maybe that's really what it is. But it seems to be very mid rangey. When you I think listen. they lacked that low end thinking like they were making this polished sound or like what is Maybe. it? Yeah. I was just listening to some Thin Lizzy records and like these sound super tight but they're lacking like really any low end. Yeah. But I think they it sounds like this compact unit that's just like navigating this like great rock. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was like because I feel like nowadays like people just love extremes and now yeah. that you have digital yeah. technology like you can do things with bass and low end that you just couldn't do. Right. You know, like you, you could get close, especially with like tape. Like I'm thinking of, you know, like some Zeppelin stuff, you know, like that right. kind of stuff has like a good amount of low end, but it's also kind of like live recorded in the room. It's probably a lot of bleed giving you the low end, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I Maybe wonder just the rise of like MIDI yeah. like synthesizers that just can like true, just like thin it out. I mean, a, a bass guitar can go low, but not, you know, Ultimately, it's a string on a piece of wood that can only get so low, you know? Yeah. I just wonder if it was because of the times, like if they just couldn't, you know, they had cassette tapes and stuff where it's like the low end's not going to be there really much anyway. You know, well, I say that I don't want to pigeonhole myself by saying you can't have low end on a tape. I don't know. I was listening to some tapes the other day and like all of them, I feel like I was missing the bass. I had my subwoofer on and everything. And I was like, man, like it's there, but it's just not hitting the same way when I listen to it on vinyl or digital, you know? Yeah, I know. And I feel like my whole generation and, you know, everybody here forward are like bass junkies. I mean, especially with the rise of like EDM. Like I was at Electric Forest last year and saw i think it was like big gigantic yeah and i stood right next to the sound booth because i was like that's where you want to be (laughs) like that's where it's gonna be exactly and the bass was so it was so heavy in such a specific way that it was like frying my internal organs it was like my whole body was vibrating but it was like it was like laser focused bass you know like and looking at their boards like they're basically running a studio like they have the avid boards which are basically pro tools on wheels you know right and like it was ridiculous i just hadn't you know had the full blasting power of like you know like i get it you know yeah. edm isn't the thing that i listen to casually right. a lot but like going to forest and just standing in the middle of a field and letting like 70 subwoofers just 
you know, <laughs> attack your body is amazing. I yeah. would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Have you uh, listened to a uh, hundred Gex? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. That, that candy that. for the ears. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's like what I'm about. I mean, I love the ear candy stuff. Um, like, uh, there's so many examples I could pull up, but I think that's starting to get into the, starting to get into right. the well, topic. Yeah. So before we're we like there, just circling around this it, topic, I feel like we need to go there. Want, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to say about yourself before we transition into the wider world of music? I talked about Moss Manor. Um, I talked about your shout studio. Out, yeah, uh, Treetone Studios. I opened that out in uh, late 2021. So like December, I think I, you know, officially I filed the paperwork. Yeah. Um, But that's been super fun. Mostly I've just been doing like mixing and mastering work um, and some like overdub tracking. Like we we got in there to record some drums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, the space that I have currently it's, it's a first space, but it's, it's really nice and cozy, but you know, I couldn't fit like a five piece band in there and and have it. I mean, I could, but it probably wouldn't (laughs) be great results. Um, But it's been super fun. Um, I've gotten to be involved with a bunch of projects and, you know, uh, looking forward to doing more. Um, but yeah, so treetonestudios.com. Uh, if anybody's looking to record or have mixing and mastering done, um, my favorite thing to do though with the studio is, um, go record mobile. Like Mm. one of my biggest gripes about working in a studio is sometimes the studio itself can be like the intimidating factor. Right. Yeah. You know, like you think you're like, Oh, I'm like spending money and I'm like in this space. So this space is really nice. And like some of my favorite records were like recorded in a kitchen with a four track or something. And so like, I kind of think that if somebody feels comfortable in a certain space or they have a room, they really like the sound of or something like, I'm trying to do more stuff where I go like on site to record. Cause that's what we did with Moss Manor. A bunch of it was like, you know, we did it all in our individual homes during quarantine, but we all got together one weekend and I took my rig up to the earthwork farm. Um, and we recorded for three days up there and it was just like figuring out the space and like, you know, setting everything up. And I think that's super cool. I think that's like a good way to like, you could like find a little niche you get for those yourself. Un- yeah, you get those unexpected results. Right. Know? I yeah. mean, like the Rolling Stones had like a travel recording, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I can't remember what it's called. But essentially like it was just a van that they would park in different places and wire everything into the houses yeah. that they record in or wherever. Like I like that idea of finding people where they feel comfortable, where they can make their best music rather yeah. than yeah. bringing them in. You never think about that, but yeah, it is important to be like comfortable where you're at. Right. Yeah. We should have brought him down to the lake. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> we recorded at a lake house and that was oh, great. Nice. Yeah. 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 You're kind of yeah. looking at most of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I mean, again, that's the dream. I, you know, one mic can go a long way. Right. I mean, you've got three here. So, right. you know, right. say la vie. Yeah. But I, I like that idea. I think you could find a uh, client, you know, clients that would really be turned on by that aspect of like, I'll come to you. I'll, I'll yeah. meet you where you you make your best sounds. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's fun too for me because then I don't feel like I'm doing the same drum sound, you know, like in that limited in that room. by your architecture. Yeah, yeah. like it, yeah. It, and it and it exercises my muscles too to like just make it sound good because it's like maybe a room doesn't sound great, but then the sound of the room just becomes the sound of whatever right. you're making. You yeah. know, like you're walking around the rooms like. 
<laughs> Clapping. Yeah, it. but like, yeah, you know, how many records, like, I think yeah. of uh, the Chili Peppers, like, Blood Sugar Sex yeah. Magic was recorded in that mansion. And right. If you listen to the drums on that record, all you hear is, like, the drums bouncing off the tile in that place. That's and, why but it it's the sound. So good, yeah, Michael, it's why Michael it we, so big. we've got a rule that you don't know about, but we can't talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers anymore <laughs> in this podcast. We were supposed to stop doing that. We, we, we did a whole quota. special episode yeah. to yeah. like get but it out like, of our system. Shout out Brendan O'Brien for engineering yeah. and mixing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, albums that have like very unique sounds. I Let's, think that's cool. We, we got to get go into it. We, we talked about the studio. We talked about his act, his projects. Yeah. Let's yeah so uh so like i said we always pick a pick a topic and uh we've been talking about it pretty much the whole time in your intro <laughs> we, should talk about, like a, we should have like a yeah we're gonna rant here. we're gonna get nerdy about yeah. like i'm like usually we we yeah. kind of do a couple of topics but i don't even think we need a couple because this one is just gonna take a while to get into right. and deep dive so we're gonna talk about what makes a good mix and it's like that is such a loaded question based off of everything we literally just talked about or what makes a good mix it's like it's such a loaded question but you know we've had musicians on here we've talked about just about everything but we haven't talked about this part which is like critical you know i think about you know people who may not make music right they just listen to music they like music Music, they kind of don't know that aspect behind the scenes when you're there for like a whole year like just nit- like nitpicking at all these parts you know it's like well, i thought you said you finished the song i did finish the song but like it's gonna be out in like a year and like, a year what it's like yeah. there's these things happening right uh so like let's just dive can into we mixing. can i really quickly qualify and ask this question are we talking about like everything post recording yes. of it yeah Not like, like post everything have, coming into the microphone right. and going into the because you have dog. the whole other yeah, side that way like, yeah you know Not we were just talking about acoustics rooms we were talking about yeah like rooms mm-hmm. and like that's the whole but front ta- side yeah. that you have to like spend time thinking about no i was just talking about, we're like talking about the okay end. it's gone yeah. into the microphone yeah the, the person has performed their part it's now in your digital audio workstation or whatever you have <laughs> and now it's the mixer's job as i pointed at michael to right and put the pieces together in a very pleasing and idiosyncratic way that the the personality of the band comes out. Right. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's very true. Cause you know, especially for specific bands, the instrument of the mix engineer is like vital to certain groups. Like the, the first one that comes to my mind is like Wolfpack. Like right. Jack Stratton in that group does a lot of the mixing and like his voice in the band as the mix engineer is like vital to that group. Like really one is. of the one of the reasons that I love it is because like that I love their music is because of how like punchy it is and how like everything feels so close to your face and full and how compressed can we make this (laughs) yeah well it's like how compressed can we make this while also not hurting anyone's ears right like one i i will never forget years ago one of my friends told me like because i had just put out like my first record and the mixes were trash i was in high school you know even the mastering guy was like do you want to redo these mixes like and i was like no (laughs) It's fine. It's my best work. Yeah, it's my best work yet. And like, there's like a couple songs where I'm like, okay, I did okay on these, but these other ones, I'm like, I'm like, I've 
I've stopped myself from taking it off of streaming services because it's like a reminder of like, no, right. you remember. Yeah, you, you got to show the progress. Yeah. But um, he's my buddy was like, yeah, dude, I just want to be able to turn your record up as loud as I want and not have any of the frequencies like hurting my ears. And I like took that to heart and like compression is a big part of that. Um, but you know, compression can also be abused and misused in ways that are nasty. Um, and I, I battle that a lot, especially when you're like mastering cause you know, you don't know what decisions went into the mix necessarily where it was recorded. Like, is this an issue with the tone or is this an issue with the thing that it was recording itself? Like, you know, um, so there's all those kinds of questions and sometimes like, you know, you can get lost in the sauce with like trying to compress too much to like get a sound to do exactly what you want it to do. Sometimes you have to just like let it be and like know that that's just the sound that that either instrument or in like a mastering case, like that's what that track sounds like. And like, you know, I can't like, I can do a a lot, but at, at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to significantly change the sound and you never know. Like somebody might like exactly what they gave you sound wise. They might specifically have wanted that awful frequency in there for an artistic reason. And like, sometimes you're just like, you know, but I've texted people before like, Hey, there's some weird frequencies up here. Like you might want to try to get those out because I'm having a hard time working with them. And they're like, Oh yeah, no worries. I'll get you a new version or whatever. So it's like, you know, to each their own, but in like mixes with compression, like I love the sound of compression. I'm very much like a headphones listener right. a lot. Like I have a stereo at my house and I love it because, you know, you can just like blast stuff out at you. But like I love being able to like disappear in headphones and have something just like vibrate my head in the right way. Yeah. Because that's how I see mixing, I think, mostly is like am I vibrating my my ears in the right I f- way. I feel like thinking about some of yours is a uh, rebuild. I feel like listening mm. to headphones, like definitely had that same vibe or same experience. Do you feel like you did a little bit of that when you were making that track? That one. Yeah, that one, I actually, that was the most overmixed song on the record. Like, Seth and Dan had to, like, pull me away. I was on, like, version <laughs> 15 by the time that song, like, came together. Hey, it was well it. worth it. Well, that like, seems like not enough. Like, the tune on that record, like, the song Anywhere, I think, ended at, like, version 5. Mm, and right. I actually, I like the mix on that song better than I think I do on Rebuild. But, uh, which, like, leads into another point, which is that, sometimes an unbalanced mix is an interesting mix. Like if your mix is super balanced and everything is like at a, like a similar level and nothing's poking out, like that's how I feel about some of the records in the eighties where it's like, everything was so like on the same level that it's boring to listen to now. Whereas like, you know, something on like Moss Manor, like on rebuild, like, the vocals kind of scare you at the, at the front of the song. Like they come in really hot, which I tried to curb. Like that was one of the things, but now I've just like decided to live with it. I'm like, Nope, that's just what it is. Like, right. And it, it, I think it works for the song, but you know, I like a mix where stuff is kind of coming in and out, popping in and at you like, you know, but most importantly, like 
vibrating you in, in a correct way because like there's so much about um mixing that is like how does my body feel listening to this? Like, am I tense listening to this song? Right. Like is something grating on me or am I like fully relaxed, like floating, listening to it? Yeah. And like, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. No, no, I I think you were saying a lot of things that were like triggering in my head of things I wanted to like chime in about. And I think it's like you were saying, you have to, if you can pick the, the voice, the instrument, that's going to be like the, the lead, like the, Mm. the main grabber. So other things can like be supportive, just like you would see in like a movie, there's going to be a lead actor and then there's going to be supporting actors that are like meant to make the lead actor look better. So you have to like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have like David Spade to Chris Farley. (laughs) Chris Farley is only funny when you have David Spade there. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's that's a hot (laughs) take. take. You have to have the foil, right? Cause it's like, he plays the straight guy. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking of some tracks and I was looking up one and I was listening to it the other day. There's this um, Vampire Weekend song called Run off of Contra. Oh, I yeah, love yeah, I that, that song. Yeah. And it's got, I don't know if it's like a synth. It sounds like these like tube kind of things that is just like, that's the thing that grabs you so that like that's that's the attention that you are putting yourself to and everything else can just like create this, um, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. You're atmosphere. so right. It's yeah. funny that you yeah. bring up that record too, Contra. It's because a great record. It's an awesome record. Yeah. And I remember when it came out, people, people didn't like it. it. Yeah. People, people hated that like album. Not yeah. on it. And I yeah. loved it. Yeah, it's same. the only vampire weekend record I bought on vinyl. I was like, I love this. And I think yeah. it was because of the mixing. It's great. Like cousins, some of the when stuff I heard cousins for yeah. the first time. I was, like that was the lead single, man. Dude, I worked you know at Best where Buy and I heard, I heard that cousins? I was like, what? Yeah. Where I, where I heard about vampire weekend is the dumbest thing ever. Cause <laughs> it was 2010. I was like, what a sophomore Had to be in step high brothers. school. No, the Disney channel <laughs> would like randomly sometimes play music videos. And it was just like on in the basement. Like I was just sitting down there, like probably about to play video games. Like I just turned the TV on and it was like on the Disney channel and it was the music video for cousins. Dude, and what? I was like, it seems very friendly to that. That's the one where he's like in the street and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah with the yeah. camera pulling back. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, which is a great music video. It's yeah. a really great concept. Yeah. But that like album's leaps and bounds more thoughtfully mixed than their first one. Their first one's very raw. Yeah. It's almost mm-hmm. like, say that. You know, we have a bunch of good songs. Let's just put them down the way we play them live. Yeah. And then the second album, Contra, is like, okay, we're going into a studio to like make, like they started thinking of it like the Beatles in a way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. We can, we can create a sonic spectrum of what we want people to experience. Yeah, like yeah. you were saying, how are you going to move somebody physically? Or with their, you know, their now, ears. now you got me on the Vampire Weekend train. And I gotta say, one, <laughs> they one have some very so beautiful yeah, mixed so Father yeah. of the Bride, man, I love that album, and I think like it has the mixing, like some of those acoustic songs, man, are kind of have that raw vibe. I feel like of the first album, but then there's songs like uh, How Long. How long? What's the point of getting clean? You wear the same old dirty jeans. What's the point of being seen? Those eyes are cruel, those eyes are mean. What's the point? And just the guitars like just cutting through. It's like so it reminds me of like that Contra stuff. So like it blended the best of both worlds with that, I feel like. 
That was without their, I can't remember what without his name Rotsdam. Was. Yeah. Rotsdam, yeah. who is one of my favorite producers and mix engineers because he's done a lot of stuff since then that I don't know that people would necessarily know that he did. Like that latest Haim record. Oh, he was on that? He the produced it music and part mixed three? it. Yeah. That's uh-huh. cool. And like, you can hear it once you know. Like there's some of those little like piano riffs and things those where like, you're like, oh, like, there he is, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> English like flares. Yeah, like but he, he loves messing with tones. Yeah. Like I think tone is incredibly important in a mix, which is why yeah. like if somebody wants somebody to produce, um, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the mixing process because Definitely. so many creative decisions are made in the mixing process. And like... So that's why I kind of like the mixes I go when I'm working on my own projects because like I feel the song starts to take shape as I mix it but you know not everybody works like that and so you know I've mixed projects for people after the fact and whatnot but um it's like for me I almost write as I mix like mm. I I've never really gone and recorded a song of my own having it fully fleshed out knowing exactly what I want to do that's interesting and like it kind of comes to fruition as like I'm messing around with it in the studio and like you know I yeah production and mixing I think go go hand in hand at least you know nowadays depending on like what you're aiming for and whatnot right yeah I'm just like I had to keep like looking up on my phone like researching <laughs> like all oh, these all these like mixing I'm trying to engineers think of. that I love like Chad Blake's one of my all time favorites he's what like he known done? he's known for putting like a lot of like compressor distortions on sounds. Hmm that just like give the like a beefy sound to the to the album that he's working on. You know, Wikipedia Chad Blake and just see what he's worked on cuz he's got a very cool um, way that he adds like these fuzz like distortion is has a people think of distortion as like Nirvana or something, right? Yeah. Right. But you can put a distorted signal sound on an instrument and it just creates a sort of the distortion I think of is like Velcro. It like binds a lot of al- uh, instruments together in a really pleasing way where you might not hear it on the surface. Right. But if you like in, uh, isolate the instrument, you'll hear like a little, fu- a little like. Yeah, like a saturation kind of thing. Saturation is probably the better way to say it than distortion. Right. But like you're totally. just kind of breaking up the signal just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's sticky. It's not so raw in your face. Well, yeah. and it adds more frequencies to the signal. So yeah. it's like, you know, whereas you might have single notes being played, you're just pumping those single frequencies you know, into, into whatever you're doing. And then if you add a little bit of distortion, like harmonic distortion too, which is basically like saturation. And it's like, you know, that gives the whole sound like more life because Mm -hmm. now there's more going on than just the like one note that you're playing. Right. Um, and I love doing that too, because it's really fun to like, that's why like, you'll see some producers put up like what they call a trash mic, especially when they're like recording drums where they're like, you know, put it in a stairwell or that's like, like a flaming <laughs> lips move. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Well, they just have like one that's and like a ten dollar. Mu- yeah, yeah. Just compress it. You know, distort it, and then just pull it way down in the mix hmm. to where like you wouldn't know it's there um, unless you saw the you know the channel strip. If you're nervous, use the paper. 
it's a glue. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And you know, there's, there's so many little tricks you can do like that. Like similarly with like reverb, you can do that where you have a like really quiet reverb going on to where you're not even really aware that there's a reverb going. But if you have the same reverb on a couple of things, then somehow everything starts to feel like it's glued into the same space and like, you know, you have that cohesion that you didn't necessarily have before. And sometimes it's like subliminal. Like it took me a really long time to really be able to like hear the difference. Like there's a lot of people that'll, you know, on YouTube, if you're trying to hear it, they'll go back and forth between examples and, you know, unless you know specifically what you're listening for, it's hard to even know that anything changed. But like, that's why I go back to the, like, how does it feel to you? I know Rick Rubin talks about that a lot too, of like, you know, he just says like, well, if it doesn't feel right, I'll say something. Right. You know, as long as everything's feeling good, I, I don't need to say anything. So, uh, you know. Simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> I, for real. I, I sometimes. Have, uh, we should have told people to get their notepads out for this episode, man. <laughs> Learn people something. was like, oh, reverb. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Like trash mic? Okay. Trash mic. Yeah. yeah master yeah. class. Uh, I was thinking of like, like uh, going back to what I was thinking about earlier about like sounds that should catch you as like a. I've been listening to a lot, a lot of Yellow Man. Mm-hmm. Yellow, Yellow Man, Man, you got me stumped He's on a, that one. Uh, like 80s. Uh, oh, 80s the reggae. reggae. Yeah, reggae. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of like dub mixing where he's you know i think you sent me some of that pulling things yeah. in and out of the mix but like the drums it's just like they're so crisp and so punchy and like what does it do for you like when you hear that like when you just hear that every well, like so every song you. starts with like a yeah. little like tom like now here comes gone direction first out of the channel it's a one come for up the nation put you like a penis in an injection you know do it job and then it just drops into the uh the tri- you know typical reggae right beat it's i mean reggae is all about that sort of you're not meant to be tracking the moment of the song it's all about how your body feels the vibe like it does fit my mood it's a it's more of a mood i think than anything yeah which and you I think know the again, drums are doing that you know the drums and like you know you're getting into like dub music i feel like that was really the beginning of like the heavy bass yeah, sound because sure. like you know it 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 vibrates your body it's yeah. like th- those are are frequencies that you don't even necessarily hear at a certain level but you feel them right. you know like if you've ever been in a movie where like um, you don't know why you're feeling tense in a scene. It's because like the sound designer Tension, yeah. put in like a, a really low rumble that like you can't even hear, but your body feels. And so like you might feel uncomfortable and you don't even know why because of that like subliminal stuff. But like, you know, dub music, especially um, like Lee Scratch Perry, the right. engineer oh, yeah, who right. like King just Tubby, passed away. Yeah. Scratch Perry. Yeah. Because I love all of the stuff that he would do where he'd throw in like, you know, delays on a snare drum for right. like two yeah. seconds and stuff. Like he was a real like, ver- like maestro at the board. Just they would like, mix it live. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Crazy. That was they're his like, instrument, they're, man. They're recording like, and they're just throwing up faders. You can, it's cool where they like pull things down. You can hear them like kind of playing, but then they'll bring back the bass, bring down the guitars. Like they're just completely, yeah. They're like a, what do they call them? A composer 
in oh, the most yeah. like oh yeah in the you most play, freeing you way, stop yeah. playing you play it's dude like if a the, classical composer could just have a mixing board in front of him right. with the entire orchestra and just do that they would <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah they, they would, would. Th- i probably shouldn't say that too loud because somebody will get an idea <laughs> and you know the internet exists so somebody's probably already done it but like that's basically what they're doing you right. know when so they're moving their arms around yeah yeah, yeah. you know Louder, trying to quieter you know come yeah. on trumpets yeah. come on yeah. like oh you know clarinets yeah. quiet down right. or whatever you keep talking about uh like filling it have you seen this documentary uh the heart is a drum machine or my heart is a drum machine no yeah it's got like a bunch of people and it flees in i have your copy that you gave to me oh, like i gave that to you three okay. years ago all right yeah that's hilarious Five years ago. uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah in the before times it's too funny i'm like i don't need any more dvds like, when we first met you're like you should check out this DVD. yeah but do you remember there's a good. guy who's blind and he's a drummer and like everybody's just like amazed that he's even keeping beat or feeling it and they're like asking him like how is he or not blind i'm sorry he's deaf everybody's like asking him like how is he knowing what to play or how's he in the music and he's like i feel it he's like i feel it and they're like but you can't feel it he's like i feel all of it like i feel all of it where i'm able to like stay on beat and, and do it all you know where it's just like music is just like it's moving air yeah yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. man yeah. it's crazy and people don't think about it like that because they just think about your ears you're thinking about it. like intellectually or whatever right but yeah. then people think that it stops with the air you know, yeah like, those right. are waves i mean uh, not to get like into weird pseudoscience and stuff, but it. like, no, like <laughs> it is also vibrating. Like your body is mostly water, you know, sound travels through water. Like your body is also vibrating. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not a scam. Mm-hmm. Like it's physically happening whether you want it to or not, you know, but yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Cause yeah, it's, I'll have to look that. What did you say? It was my, uh, uh heart is a drum machine. My heart is a drum machine. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Is it on like Netflix or something? I don't even know. I got right, it I'll, at Best Buy in 2002. You were saying like that, like that air and vibration. I saw the band. Do you know the band Sleep? the like stoner metal yeah. group yeah we mm-hmm. i saw them with the with a buddy and like it was the most out of weird in body out of body experience where i just could feel like you know this very like rich manifestation of this the movement of the sound passing threw me around me because it was the uh, loudest the yeah. loudest show by 10 i've ever seen jeez like I was like, I think I'm, I probably lost a good chunk of my hearing after this show, but like, it was very like visceral and physical in that way. And it was as much as I like, it was painful. (laughs) Did you have earplugs? No. Oh, Oh, wow. Cardinal sin. Well, (laughs) yeah, we can get into my, yeah, we're both at it. I know. I just, it doesn't, I don't have, yeah, I want to be, I want to, I know it's killing, like killing my, my sound. I have to do it now because of you know being a mix engineer like yeah. i can't i can't fuck it up because if yeah you know if my hearing goes which there was a show that turned me to like always bring earplugs to a show because you never know what's going to happen i saw tame impala at st andrew's hall in 2012 it was like as lonerism came out right and my buddies and i we got there were like first in line we got like right on the front of the stage right like we were like hyped and in the middle of the show some instrument just like 
exploded or like there was like this feedback sound and I swear I have less hearing in my right ear than in my left because of it or like it was the loudest thing I'd ever heard and it was like a two second long sound and like I can still feel that sound in my body because it was it was like the loudest thing I'd ever heard and I was like shell shocked it was like a grenade went off or something and like I was just like okay I'm always bringing earplugs because you never know if something's just gonna you know Pop. yeah, yeah right. like somebody unmutes something accidentally right. and just you know because the worst Oof. oh man yeah. so yeah ever since then i was just Maybe like I no. to invest in, like a nicer <laughs> pair that have like because i have a decent pair that like has pretty decent like um pass through or whatever you call it mm-hmm. but it always just sounds muffled i know there, yeah always yeah. you can't get I just, around it you know and i had a pair of the ones that like form fitted and were like had the filter in them yeah and i ended up hating them because i would get really sweaty at shows and they would they start to jiggle around yeah. and so the sound would be like you know when you like put your, yeah, your finger in and exact, out of your ear exactly quick. Yeah. yeah it like felt like that for the whole show and i ended up taking them out and now i just buy the disposables and just like always take a pair because they're just they don't that's move. Like, that's what really muffles it. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I wear them to. Uh, we go to like we every once in a while I go to monster trucks, monster jam, <laughs> and like that is loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Those yeah, I wear it to that. But up. like if it's music, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, this is get off topic. I got a question about mixing because I was listening to a record that is notoriously bad on the mixing, but everybody loves it. And I'm like, intentional bad mixing. And I'm talking about Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the 36 Chambers. Well, people hate it. Like, he would literally take it and they'd be like, oh, when you mixing it, he'd be like, the mix is done. They'd be like, what do you mean it's done? He's like, it's done. It, uh, it sounds like it's like in a dungeon like it's just really dirty it's, it's very dirty. scratchy yeah. it's like mm-hmm. very muffled it sounds like they're all up in the mic like this you know yeah. and like it's just it's it's nuts man but like something about that rawness like people just love it like well, it's it just like, like what makes the record i mean so like yeah we have the 2020 vision that we can look back and like that's the character of the album exactly mm-hmm. at the yeah. point in time yeah i could see like hey this is bad fidelity we could we could make it a little bit cleaner or whatever but yeah it wouldn't be the same album if if they had gone that route yeah but it's like what i wonder like why what yeah i mean obviously you know you're talking about rap music but the, even some of the songs like uh can it be all so simple it's just like a, a, a beautiful song about them just rapping about what they've been through you know but i'm like eat, like i don't know what it is about a bad mix like that where it's like i could you could handle it because if you heard that on anything like if tame impala released some shit like that you'd be like this is the word like you just would not accept it even if you knew it from a previous time you know or maybe I'm wrong. I'm going in circles. It's here. a weird like yeah. black magic things. Like you're either entered or you're not. Like either like. All right, we thinking about like Umo, like Unknown oh, no Orchestra, right. just going there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that also has like this which lo-fi. I mix. could I could talk about their new record too. Five. Five. Yeah, let's talk about five. And, I like yeah. a lot of it, but yeah, the mixing. Like one of the things that I loved about the previous record they put out. Um, especially like, like the tune Honey Bee yeah. and like even like American Guilt because yeah. that song is like dirty as hell. Oh yeah. But yeah. like they had the low end right on that last record, I feel. like, yeah. And on this record, I feel like it got boxy, like the kick drum and some of the, and like some of the drum sounds. 
it's just a bit too boxy for me to like want like it's like an hour-long record and like yeah. trying to listen to it front to back my ear kind of gets tired from just hearing kind of like a similar drum sound every yeah like every song but there's some there's some great tracks on the new record like not gonna lie like nadia is no, a nadia, lovely yeah. song and like the garden that first track yeah. is lovely like i love beach man love that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a good point that made me think of um Metallica's Saint Anger. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. It's like, I actually kind of think like the everybody like says he's like hitting a a, a tin drum on the snare. <laughs> I think that's cool for a song or two because it sounds super like raw and just thrashy. But like, yeah, over a whole album. And do you think they were going for that though? Like, well, they were going through a lot at that time. Yeah, yeah. I think they were trying to like, how do we become like more punk, more raw, more like right off our chest kind of thing? And it just ended up not being a very good album song wise, but also like, like you were saying, the boxy kick drum, this like very tinny snare drum is just sort of grating on the ears after you listen to it after a few songs doesn't help the songs are bad too though but, <laughs> but i'm like i kind of think that's cool if you try to do that as like a thing for a song or two of like you a, know it, yeah it's such it's and i guess again it's like what are you going for on a record right. but you know keeping the same tones throughout an entire record you know it i i like it when it's kind of like song like a song by song record where it's not necessarily trying to be like an album it's just kind of like here's a bunch of tunes like especially in like the singer songwriter genre and stuff that's pretty common but you know i love a record where there's just kind of something different to each tone quality of of a different tune like with moss manor i don't think we had the same drum sound on two songs just because of you know, what we had to work with, you know, like Dan did some drums in his house. I did some in my basement halfway through the recording. I moved to the studio. Like we did some drums up at the farm and like every time I like that the, the drums aren't like in the same space in your head, like in the mix. Like sometimes we, we did two takes where Dan and I both played drums and we pan them in either ear. So you have like a full like scope of it, but like making sure that um, you know, if you're going to have an interesting mix or if the mix is like part of the art for you, like, I think that that's a, a super good way to like, think about it as like, um, I was watching an interview with Theo Katzman and, and he was like, cause he did his, his whole last record, like in a room live. Um, and he was like, you want a different drum sound? Take all the mics down. And then put all the mics back up in a different way. Like, you know, you can, even if you don't have like a different space to work with, like you can still just like try things. Like I've always, I don't think I've recorded drums with the same mic setup like ever. Like every time I take the mics down after I'm like moving something around, right. it's just like another opportunity to like try a new way to get it to, to fit. So like, I'm not super, you know, married to the idea that if you're going to record a whole record, like, okay, day one, you get your drum sounds and every drum sound on the record is going to be this one drum sound. Like, you know, you can do that. I'm not going to also not tell you to not do that if, you know, I'm working on your record. But I think those will definitely be like, be like production albums where it's like we're going for like... And then the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You agonize over everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to like spend another 
two weeks possibly remiking a drum set. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is why, like, if it's a singer-songwriter record where the songs are more about, like, the story and the lyrics and the singer, you know, the drums are not necessarily the consequential element in that. Right, right. I mean, I was listening to um, The Cars earlier. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Rick Ocasek, I think, really had an ear for, like, tight sounds. Yeah. Like, you listen to any of those albums, they just sound kind of pristine in a beautiful way. Like, timeless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just how everything sits. It's, it's pretty the, beautiful. Um, what's the song? It's, I can't even remember. Uh, I think it's Best Friends Girl. Like, even just those hits, man, like, something about the way they sound. It's just hits, you know? And, like, every time I get so excited because something about it, like, the way it sounds, you know, um, like, it's just the right tone on those hits. Yeah. You could go very wrong with something like that. It could be too too echoey. It could be too tinny. It could be too bassy. You know, it's just, like, getting that punch right is, it's an artistry for real. Right. I get into a lot of, like, uh, discussions not arguments, but like heated discussions about, you know, is like having the mix being a little bit more hands off, a little bit more raw, a little bit more unpolished versus something that's like there's a lot of hands on, a lot of like chemistry in the the building of the song. I lean towards that. I think that's cool where the the mixer is a little bit more heavy handed. I think that's the point of having a studio recording. It's like you treat the studio like another member of the band. You have all these things that you can play around with. I think it's cool. Like I was listening to, uh, I don't know if I brought it up already, but Modest Mouse, um, Lonesome Crowded West. Yeah. It's almost like they just press play and said, go for it, guys. (laughs) We're making do a little compression. But like other than that, like there's no mixing at all here. Like it's very raw. And that's a cool album. In fact, I, I remember watching the documentary, I think Pitchfork, Pitchfork put out on yeah. it, where they were like, they good. sent it to the mixer and they were like, don't make it sound too good. Yeah. <laughs> make like, sure there's some dirt on it still. It's pretty you know? dirty. Like, <laughs> it gets a little bit more produced as they go along, but yeah. still, yeah. I lean towards the very produced side. Where do you guys lean on, like, mixing, just like taste? I mean, I'll give you the the middle ground answer of, like, it depends. Because, like, yeah. I love a band, like, one of my favorite bands is Pine Grove. And they have some records where like pretty much they have like the same sounds on everything, but the sound that they have is so specific to them that it like, it works. They always just kind of like set up in a house. I guess their more recent records they did in like studios, but they still made sure that the spaces were like bigger spaces. I feel like that's sort of like a doctor dog kind of thing. Like they just always sound good. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but it's so their own thing. Like, you know, 
Pine Grove is interesting to me because the first time I heard their records, I was like, oh, these mixes sound like shit. Like, what is this? Like, it sounds like they were just in a room. And like, yeah, they were. And that's like the point. Like, it feels like you're watching your friends play at a DIY show. Yeah. Like, at a house somewhere. And like, you can hear the like pick strum on the electric guitars like right. in the room yeah. you know like that kind of thing and like the drums are super bleedy and there's like so much room of sound but once you like get into the music it's like that's all you want to hear right yeah is that like that vibe that they bring that it just feels like everyone's sitting in in the same room with them yeah and yeah. like you know they even do stuff where they'll leave like they'll track the rhythm stuff live and the singer will like sing his part in the room and sometimes on the recording you'll hear his like initial vocal in the room like like first take yeah yeah, yeah. like almost double his that's cool yeah overdubbed so vocal. It, yeah <laughs> and like it just kind of comes in and out of random parts and like that kind of quality like they did a record that I guess P I loved it, but a lot of people didn't really like it. And so the next record they made, they were like, we made this one messier again. <laughs> like we tried to be a little, a little yeah. less uh, pristine. Man, I, you, I, you have two albums that come to mind. And I think of like that one is the Fiona Apple record. Oh, uh, the vegetable cutters. cutters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's just like dogs barking and that <laughs> rawness of just like you hear doors closing and creaking and, you know, it sounds like they're playing drums just right there in the mic sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one that blew me away, man, it took me some time, but uh, Dijon, uh, absolutely. Oh, I, I love dude, that incredible. record. Incredible. Oh. And it has that feeling of like, these are just friends in a room, just like vibing. Like that like, first song, big, that first what song, is it, Big Mics? Big Mics, man. Will you take me there? Are you? session of that yeah song they're like ridiculous. set up like he's gonna change the game i feel like uh so he's been like when he's touring he's like setting it up like a room so like if you weren't in the room and they just had a camera it looks like his dudes in a room and they zoom out well like, and oh. i'll puff you up too because i was gonna i almost said it earlier but like i thought the song that i like did some recording on for you it kind of reminded oh, me man. of something from Thanks. like dijon me, you gotta let yourself go get my ego struck that much come on now it just like that that pump of the drums i mean and you and you hired a great drummer yeah for yeah, it. Zach, Zach. yeah Zach Doobie, but like man, it. you know it's it just has that vibe where it like it feels free and flowy yeah and like i loved it um i, I think i think it's between me and Devin too i think you talk about like we were talking earlier like you know i feel like if somebody's mixing it and like they're working with the person who makes the music like me and Devin talked a lot before that you know and i was kind of telling about tame impala and like finding mm -hmm. him on blogs gorilla vs beer and uh like just all these roots that i came he's like oh i kind of understand like what you're trying to do here like i got you you know and that definitely creates like a, a atmosphere you know oh, yeah and i feel like uh i saw dj talking about that in uh big mike's mcgee is the guy that he works with, you know, uh, who does a lot of stuff. And McGee has, like, I like McGee's music, too, but it's missing that quality. But, you know, Dijon talked to him about, like, he just wants it to be, like, him and his friends. 
and they nailed it you know yeah. and, and, but still made it like very beautiful too you know well and it's great yeah i think it's a beautiful record i listened to that record on repeat same as i was like putting together my studio like i was in my basement making so- like sound panels i just had that album on repeat because yeah. it's only like a half an hour long i know yeah it's so quick but like i love the talking about like not keeping one vibe for a whole record like Dude. he just jumps but in the mix and in the mastering of it, it all feels succinct. Like nothing about those songs jump out to me as being not part of the whole of that record. That is true. Everything still lives in that zone, but everything, every song is different in some way. You think about the opposite of Big Mike's, which is probably the the hit off the album is The Dress, which is just like such this polished, beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know, sexy, yeah. (laughs) And it's like nothing like Big Mike's, but somehow they still fit on that same record. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the first song I heard from that record was uh, Many Times. Many Times, yeah. Because I was like, this is fire yeah them drums like the, right the chorus i was like god it sounds like a prince song it do like I, yep, just exactly. that little yeah. that little like chorused out guitar but that, like and, and i'll be fair you know talking about prince and, and like thinking about Dijon of like yeah it's got that vibe but uh sometimes prince's mix you know and that's my boy this is what i'm talking about like this but sometimes they're pretty bad i'll yeah. be like i i, I can't I, like i fuck with prince but sometimes i'll be listening to songs like man come on now you know you could have used more bass you know this they're shit. a little thin yeah, yeah. sometimes they thin yeah my you know favorite so prince Dijon, thing like, though yeah. is is that yeah. the song um uh kiss yeah doesn't have a bass on We've talked yes. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, he took the bass out. There was a bass. He's it like, was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it di- and it didn't. Like no. I yeah. never noticed that until somebody I, pointed I think, that out uh, to me. I think when doves cry might be the same way. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. All right, now I, mean, I gotta go kiss, back and listen like, to that. Yeah, there's like, I don't know if it's like a, a reverb on the kick drum that like kind of fills in that like lower frequency without being a drum. There's something on it that right mm-hmm. yeah i mean i feel like he found his stride definitely in the in the 80s you know it's more that the the couple of 70s records and well so i have 80s. a question as you're building your studio out certainly it's different if you go on location right that's mm-hmm. always going to be a different monster that you have to tackle right but when you're building out your studio are you thinking about like and you're like i'm cutting panels for you know baffling if you want to be able to offer a musician a band like a more you know lo-fi sound you don't want to be too treated because then you start to deaden those reflections or like you know yes you but to also think about no. like, <laughs> okay so lay it on me so yes in the way that you know you can like i find that there's two different ways you can do lo-fi you can do lo-fi from the input like you know overdriving preamps you know, in the room or wherever you're doing, or like, you know, if you have a really reverberous room and you're like using that to your advantage, but like on the back end too, if you have a really dead room and what you're getting is like direct signal, then the sky's the limit of what you can do on the post-production. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can basically not have to worry about your environment affecting what you want to do on the back end, you know? I don't think I've ever recorded vocals in like a booth booth um, because like it's almost too dead. I like there being some kind of natural air 
to uh, wherever you're tracking vocals, even if you're recording on like a really, you know, like you've got a SM7B here, which is like a really tight, like you almost right. have to be like kissing the microphone right on, right here. to like, you know, get the sound out of it. But there's still like a good enough quality of the room that you'll capture. And with vocals, I feel like sometimes that can be used to your advantage if you, if you know what you're looking for in that way. But you know, it's same principle. It's like, yeah, if you want to record them in a booth and have like a really dead signal, then you will be able to process it in whatever way you need to after the fact. But I kind of like having vocals be a little bit more live and maybe not perfect sounding because like, you know, it gives a little bit more life to, to whatever is being recorded. Um, that being said, that's cool. Do what you want. I think talking about this conversation, it's like it there with mixing. I mean, I don't know. We, we kind of were going around a room talking about what we liked personally, but I think through all of us, like a common theme was like, you still want this rawness and this realness without it being overproduced. I don't know. We were just talking about Jerry Rafferty. Yeah. But then again, like we could get into the debate of what is overproduced, you know, because my favorite record of like all time is Bonnie Vare's 20 to a million. That record to me could be considered overproduced, but in that same way, like you're saying, like you want that kind of realness. Like, I feel like he takes production and like he makes things that are electronic sound organic. He takes things that are organic and makes them sound manipulated, you know, whether it be with sampling or like just messing with different plugins and things. And like the result is music that makes me feel a a way that I haven't felt before. Like, you know, but a lot of people, I remember when that record came out, people were like, God, there's, it's so overproduced, especially when he was coming from like the folk thing. It right, just came exactly. from you know, Forever, yeah. uh, Emma Forever. Forever yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a completely different album where it's like, even the, even the self title yeah. after that, yeah. like that was still, you know, it was produced and everything, but it was still you right. know, acoustic guitars and, you know, live drums and everything. And there's still that on 22 a million, but he definitely pressed a lot more buttons. Um, and I remember people were just like turned off by that. I was, I didn't I think, listen to it yeah, for like three right. years after it came wow, out. Really? And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's how it is. Sometimes I think the thing albums. is like, people just need to get off themselves about what they like or don't like in their own. Like you come to expect some from an artist. I just well, talked to like, you can say yeah. like, this is what I want. Right. And, like instead of saying what I want, just accept what they're giving you and say they it, probably had like some it's in, so hard intention I, behind why they did what they did i would hope i'm starting to realize that i feel like i always listen to like an album and i'm super excited for artists and i'm like man i don't know about this you know and then i listen to it over and over and i'm like oh i like it it's just i was not prepared right. i was expecting what mm-hmm. i heard from blood sugar sex magic and now i right. got you know, whatever the next album was after that, but well, like one hot minute. Well, we one hot minute. Yeah, yeah, we can't. We've already <laughs> dived into this. We already know. But yeah, yeah I think like because like so. Occasion I like at a, the previous podcast was like a bunch of songs that we like really just love, like mutually love. And we talked about like Jerry Rafferty, and we talked about like some other songs that are just like very produced like very hermetically sealed within like this vacuum <laughs> of the studio like yeah but so it almost makes me think of like eagles albums in a way that's yeah. just like they're so 
or like a or like a Steely Dan album that you just can't Ooh. prick any holes into it because it's interesting. So yeah, and perfectly. like obviously I love Steely. Yeah, yeah. you want to so get me I guess started on Asia? We could go. Yeah, in. yeah. That's, that's like people use that album as like, oh, let's test out your hi-fi yeah. system. Let's put mm-hmm. on Asia because it sounds so so good, fucking pristine. Yeah. yeah. But that works for them, though. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's just like you think of it's other artists that we talked about. Yeah, yeah. It's just like with, uh, you know, the way Donald Fagan singing, the way <laughs> they're playing guitar, all of it. You know, yeah. like well, it the fits drums. that. The drums. The drums. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think yeah. like a band like Parcels. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. They sort of have taken. They've got that, an interesting like, sound. Like a little bit of that, like that Steely Dan, like very, very well recorded, very pristine, very produced mix. Yeah. <laughs> You know, one guy that changed for me was Gary Clark Jr., man. Like, I heard his debut album, and I was like, man, he lost some rawness, man. You know, uh, but he's a blues guitar player. Why do people want the raw? Like, yeah. What's the raw mean? I don't know. It's like, oh, it's more real? Yeah. I'm like, for me, like, strip the raw away a little bit. I'm I like, think, I'm like, okay, it. you hear a dude, like, I, I'm trying to think of one of the songs in there, but I remember it was just, like, him playing guitar, and he's just going off on a solo, and it's beautiful. You can tell he's probably switching between pedals. And on the uh, studio version, it was like trumpets and like the guitar tone was like the same, you know, and very uh, like sustained notes. as opposed to you can hear like for me it's like that's the music i see live like you get the raw (laughs) and in the studio i want to hear it like very like orchestra i don't know no i get what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. and i mean i'm just i'm probably just talking bullshit out but i do love raw like raw is good too like i was listening to white stripes and like right yeah yeah that's the whole thing but like i like them a little bit later when it's a little bit more tidy a little bit more like we went to the studio and tried to do something. Well, mm-hmm. and I've heard of bands too that want to like capture the live energy in a studio album. Right. And, you know, that's a great thing to kind of go in with, but it will never be exactly no. that. Like, you don't have the audience there to be playing off of. You don't have, you know, I think it's like if you really want that, like get a really nice recording of a live show right. or like, you know, mm-hmm. do that. Cause then, yeah, then you just have it. And then in the studio, it's kind of like my philosophy on that is like, do you want to hear, like, what do you want to hear forever? Like, what makes you feel good that you can put on time after time after time that's going to make you feel the best? And like, that's kind of where I'm trying to operate from in terms of like getting takes from people or whatnot. Like, you know, especially when like with vocalists, if they do like crazy runs and stuff live, it's like, you don't need to do all that on the record because like, if you do all of that on the record, then you have to recreate that every night. And maybe some night you're just not feeling it. Right. And like, you know, I think it's like, it's the, it's the keep it stupid, simple, uh, like principle the kiss acronym, <laughs> and like well, that's like what yeah Rick Rubin was saying to Flea. Going back yeah. to that, it's like 
do that live. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for the record, keep it simple. And I also love the idea, like, you know, because Moss Manor is an album that I think you could consider to be overproduced, you know, potentially. But when we when it came time to, like, work the songs up for a live setting, like, there's an example of a record we had never played any of those right. songs before. And we all just kind of looked at each other and we were like, this is not going to sound the same as it is on the record live. Like, We've it's going to be its own yeah. thing. <laughs> we and, like, we dove into that. You just have to accept it yeah. and, right. and embrace what will be live. Right. You know, like what can you do? It's a chance to like remake it in a different way. Like, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. yeah Reimagine re this song. I think as a it's fun. Song. I like it. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this and I know I'm just repeating myself, but I'm like, there's like when I'm in the studio and I'm doing something, I'm like, mm, well, that's a future KJ problem to figure out for live. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> uh-huh. like, right now, KJ, this sounds good and I'm doing it and I know it's hard, but right. I listen to it over and over and be so upset at myself in the future about right, it. You right. know? I see some bands trying to make the record live, you know, and it's it's cool if they can pull it off, but I've just seen bands like use way too many samples. Yeah, or, like, right, samples right, and, yeah. yeah, or like you like. Not to not to shit on Tame Impala, but I just recognize oh, shit on Kevin Parker. Oh, you <laughs> well, just like the, not, the drummer, like I right feel now. like is so specifically playing everything that was on the record. I think they now have like an electronic kit live. And when I first saw him, like that just wasn't the case. The drummer kind of had his own feel, and mm-hmm. like he was playing the parts, but kind of giving the little flares that like you give. Yeah, and like I saw their set um, on YouTube. I just like pulled one up from like one of the more recent things. And it just seemed like they were trying to recreate the record so specifically that it almost like sucked the live, the life out of, out of right. the live he's, performance for in me. In his albums, he's left behind the idea of like any chance of it being a live performance in my eyes. And that's what I really disliked about it. It's such a studio project now, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. It's fine. Right. But well, like, and I could totally be full of shit too, because maybe being there with the sound system going and everything. Well, like, I, saw him, yeah, I saw him at Mopop and I, I would say he, he pretty much did that. He played it to the record, but there were, he would do things where like, you know, there's extended, you know, outros sure. or either there was extra hits you know, on the breaks or whatever, you know? So like, I feel like that kept me enough like entertained, but I, I totally know what you mean. I'm like, I don't really want to go to a live show and hear exactly what I could have heard at home. And just yeah. because I'm seeing you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's because I mean, you know, there's the aspect of especially when you get into like electronic artists and electronic music, like like at Electric Forest, it's like the spectacle is the thing. It's right. not like about the show is performance. the performance. It's yeah. or the people playing the things. That's not what it's about. Yeah, it's right. not about like pure skill. Right. It's about like vibe and feel vibe, and like and go. the show. Like right. I get the whole aspect of like the show. I just saw a uh, tune day. At the pyramid scheme, oh, two yeah, day veteran. Yeah. If I can be me, then you can be yourself. Might not be easy. It's like we're never satisfied. It's like we're never satisfied. Right. I saw them perform at the pyramid scheme and they had like backup dancers and the thing was like the show, you know? And it was, it was like, it was just fun to attend like a show, especially like from somebody local who's doing something like that kind of production, you know, at, at that level. And it was great. But like, 
Yeah, it's like I didn't I didn't know any of the music beforehand, and so I was trying to let myself be detached from that. Like yeah. I'm not going to know any of the songs, and then like once the show was going, I was like, oh yeah, like this is this is about the show as a whole. Like yep. it's not just about like the skill of the songwriter or like you know the the skill of the. It's, it's like about, about an the experience. Whole yeah, yeah, about the experience. It, it, you know, artists. I saw Tune Day. I think at the Jammies, like I don't know, probably five years ago or something. But yeah, it was definitely like this experience of like you gonna know who I am and yeah. what I'm about by the end of this show. You know, yeah. And there were like costume changes. Yeah, exactly. And stuff. Yeah, right. And it was like, like taking you through an experience. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like I'm all for that any day, but I think I have to turn off the part of my brain that wants the musician to, part, right? Well, the musician of part like, and the producer the and like yeah, mixer that, yeah. part, where I'm like, you know, like watching for the beats and the music and like, oh, is this an obvious thing that's coming up? And it's like it doesn't matter at the end of the right. day. Like, how am I feeling? Like, am I enjoying yeah. the yeah. show? And We've the talked about yes. this. Yeah, it's so hard right. once you get into that avenue. People to, don't notice anything. Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, my pedal wasn't working. I'm like, <laughs> what? Well, that's the show. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's like more people just like are so passive to that because we're so used to being inside of it that it's like nobody noticed. That. That's a good way to look at it. It's yeah. like that's why the best performers make just like it's not a problem. Like they just keep going because if once you make it look like a problem, then it becomes an, a problem to the yeah, audience. Right. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I listened back to the uh we got a recording of the Moss Manor set from the jammies. Yeah. And yep. like my vocals were so whack through that whole thing because it's like the board recording, right? So you're just getting like the dry, dry, real dry yeah, vocals. Yeah. And I'm like, Whew. but I also <laughs> knew it was like, okay, I was talking to people like all night. We were like the last ones on. So yeah. my voice was like already shot. You get no sound check, so you can't hear yourself. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay. You're not, you're not that bad. It's, I called one fine. song and it sounded great to me. Well, so. that was the thing. It's like <laughs> people who were there, it's like they weren't, no, they weren't like paying attention if I hit to the every board note. mix. Yeah, or like yeah, uh, you know the raw. You know, yeah, cool. Should we transition? Yeah, what we, we looking like we on time? <laughs> I know. I knew we weren't going to need a second topic on this. Later. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We could do it. Should we roll into our final? Unless question? there's any other, like, yeah, is there any? Let's. Other? Does anybody have any like last music drops that they just really feel like in terms of like really oh, great mixes that you know what I people thought? should hear? what I thought could be interesting um, cause I was showing this to another friend and they're like, I didn't even know that engineers like did that. And I was like, yeah, but I have a playlist of, you were talking about it earlier of like songs that people use to check right. systems. Yeah. Like I, I have a playlist of like all my songs that like, I know how they sound really specifically. And like, it's such a random mishmash of stuff. Like I remember uh, when I was with the accidentals, like we had a sound engineer who would play like, Opeth and like chem back to back and it was like the most jarring but he's like no no no, i'm listening for like the mids on opeth and i'm listening right. for like the kick drum on camera whatever and so like i've got this playlist where it's like like i've got the counting crows on there and then i have like run the jewels for like testing sub yeah. and you know some Radiohead and like all That's these cool. random things but like I mean, that's like one way it's like a good exercise too, for people of like, what are songs that, you know, the sounds of really specifically, you know, to like jog your brain or like, you know, make you think harder about a mix or, yeah. you know, 
So you know, you know. really get one last thing. And I thought when we were in the studio recording, I think uh, I mentioned Tame Impala and trying to get that vibe. And mm-hmm. uh, we got the bass drum, and you just had the mallet, and just just had Zach just like hitting it. And you're like, yeah, we're just gonna double this, get that big sound. I was like, ah, I yeah. never thought of that. You know, I, I did that with a buddy uh, recently, where like I just recorded drums, and he was like, man, the drums just don't sound like big enough. I don't know what yeah. what it is. And so I set up one mic. And re-recorded the drums two times, uh, had the main take in the front, and then the next two takes panned hard left and hard right, and then just kind of like sunk down the one microphone, and like suddenly like the hi hat had more life, and there was like a little more oomph to the snare because like it was coming through that like one microphone right coming in there, and like I sent it to him, he was like, I don't know what you did, but it worked. Yeah, and I was like, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about it's about speaking up and saying what you want to. You know, right. you got to talk about what you what what you want to go for, and I think sometimes some people are hesitant to do that, and they just go like, uh, it's fine. Not really, what I was looking for, yeah. but yeah, whatever. Right. You right. Know. Yeah, and there's a, there's a good amount of trust too when yeah. you're working on a project like you know work with people who sound you like but also know that not everybody's process is exactly what true your process is and like you know like especially i i know that in the past like i have a really hard time writing songs with people in a room i kind of have to like go and disappear and like be a little gremlin in the corner yeah, for like definitely. two days and then i just come out with like a with like a song and you know trying to do like co-writes even like seth and i were trying to write a song together and i was just like banging my head against a wall like i don't know how to how to do this without like you know being at the computer and and you know right being by yourself and experimenting yeah and cussing it, chords a, out it's and, such an yeah. experiment thing yeah. for me like you know and it's interesting to kind of to kind of learn how other people work too by working with them and like picking things up. Cause there's always more things you can learn from other people as, as you're working with them. So, you know, never, never close your mind off, I guess, to work in work in a certain way, but you know, eh, be flexible. Yeah. It's fun. (laughs) Cool. I think we got there. All right. I think we did. We can go to our final question here. So Michael, what we do at the end of every episode is, we say, if your music was a type of blank, what would it be? What did you uh, dust and, off for and, us? And we're going to focus on Moss Manor here. So if Moss Manor's music was a type of flower, what type All of right. flower would it be and why? Ooh. Are we talking weed here? No, not that type of flower. Well, I was going to say, I, I kind of had one in mind. It's a really simple answer, but I don't know if it is a flower or a weed. What is it? A dandelion. Yeah, we'll oh, call okay. it a flower. Yeah, yeah, sure. Cause like I don't know. Like I feel like Moss Manor is like very close to the ground. Like we're especially with like having two drummers in the band, like a lot of it has to do with the low end and the low mm. as we say in the band, like take care of your low areas. <laughs> like, that's like a you know, we're always like, Did you did you take care of the low areas, Michael? Um so I feel like if it's if the music is a flower, I think it would be like a dandelion because it's spread out. It's like close to the ground. Um, and it always seems to just be everywhere, especially like right now, like the yeah. dandelions are popping up. I was in the forest today and I saw all the dandelions in there and I was like, Oh, you know, like it's that yeah. time of year. Right. And it just like feels good. I don't know. Cause like dandelions, I guess, you know, once they die and start flying all around, they're annoying. But like, you know, when they first bloom, it's, it's really, it's really nice. It's really gorgeous to just have like, it's almost like a carpet, you know, because, you know, a Moss Manor, like we, we 
always send pictures of moss to each other if we're like out in the forest or something we find like a good bed of moss and we're just like yeah like we'll just send <laughs> that to the cover. group chat <laughs> right <laughs> well and that was that was why we did the album cover we did i was um, gonna say i thought it was a, it's algaes yeah. it's okay. like um we found this like public domain thing that it's like a instagram account where they just like post different public domain art pieces of art and there was a a uh, botanist called named Anna Atkins. Uh, she was from the UK, and she it was like the first documented algae cyanotypes. It's from like eighteen seventy four or something like that, and it was like literally they put the images on these like bright pieces of blue paper so that like you could see the outline of, right. of what it was, and those were like some of the first like pictures like documented. Um, for science um, or like at least that type of like how they the process of it and so like we came across that and we saw the one with like the three uh, the three algaes on it and we were like oh like that that just feels right perfect you know yeah Yeah. so yeah but uh, yeah I think that's my answer dandelions once again very good very quick impressed (laughs) always impressed when we do this I could never do this dude I know I'm like I'm an idiot people just like yeah I got something for you I'm like I'm trying to stump you that was good (laughs) Oh, man. cool. Well, well thanks for doing you. this with us. Yeah. No, thank you. We definitely yeah. mined a lot of territory. Yeah. yeah we could have kept going too. Heady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We yeah could, when are we, we doing it again? <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Stay tuned for part two of the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, maybe we'll do a part two. We'll talk about mastering <laughs> yeah, in the sure. second part. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Nobody knows what happens there. No, just, yeah. Just yeah. turn it up. Make it louder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make it louder. Uh, cool. All right. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Thanks.